Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of Biology Beyond the Microscope. My name is Katherine Gamewell. If you don't know already, this is a series where you will hear from different professors who will share their experiences as a professor and discuss what inspired them to pursue research in their specific topics. Today we are talking with Dr. Michael Birchall. Dr. Birchall is a professor in the Department of Biological and Agricultural Engineering here at NC State University. He earned his bachelor's in biology here at NC State, his master's in civil engineering at the University of Mississippi, and his PhD in biological and agricultural engineering also here at NC State University. He is interested in wetland restoration, effects of riparian buffers on streams, constructed wetlands for stormwater and wastewater treatment, coastal stormwater, and agricultural drainage management. All right, so thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for inviting me. This is fun. (laughs) So we'll start with the first question. Uh, What led you to want to become a professor? I've talked to a lot of my colleagues about this, and I don't, there's not many of us that started out wanting to be a professor. It's kind of something that is kind of dictated as your as your life goes on and some of the experiences that you have and um, so it's kind of a, a process and for me it was kind of stepwise as I went through each one of those degrees that you described I took on each one of those new degrees to learn something and do something different and I think at the end of my PhD I knew that I could always do something academic I could do something uh, out in the professional world. Um, and I had some opportunities to do some things as a, an engineering consultant, and they didn't appeal to me. And, you know, another thing that kind of dictates these things is just being at the right place at the right time. And for me at NC State University, there was a position opening up to start doing a lot of things in wetland restoration. And so I was hired as a extension assistant professor, which in our ranks is a non-tenure track position. And after working in that for about three years, another faculty position that was actually tenure track uh, opened up to continue to do a lot of the same things that I was doing in the, uh, the other role. And so I left at that opportunity. After looking around at some other universities, I decided that NC State was where I wanted to be because I am a North Carolinian and I feel actually a lot more interested in solving our problems here in the state uh, than I believe I would in in other universities. So I was pretty fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. I like that you've been at the right place at the right time. Yeah. (laughs) So what was the research topic that you first became interested in? So I think that I always knew that I was going to do something in the environment in the back of my mind, but I it, it took me a while to actually realize it. And when I think about it, I've often said that I was fortunate enough, both of my parents were educators, and I was fortunate enough during the summertime to go down to the beaches of North Carolina. And I can remember very clearly, you always have to cross most of our beaches. you got to cross some big, long bridge to get over to the beach. And when you look out across those areas, you generally see some sort of tidal marsh there and I always thought that that was just breathtaking and I think that was my first the beginning of my love for the the environment and in particularly 
um, in particular, sorry, wetlands. And so although I did a lot of other different research topics growing up, uh, you know, well, coming through school, you know, from working in soil bioremediation for areas that were contaminated with fuels um, to wastewater treatment, I always knew that somehow I was going to come back to wetlands. And um, so I, I think that's, I think that's kind of the genesis of how I've moved into this area of, of wetlands and water quality protection. Nice. So what do you, what is the current project that you're working on then? So I've got several projects okay. and I've had a, numerous projects over, over, your, over my career. Really, when it, when it comes down to it, my career has been focused on working right on the interface of reliable and profitable agricultural production and urban development, the things that human beings need, and water quality protection. And so both of them have to exist. Uh, to, to be successful in, in agriculture, we need clean water. You know, human beings want to come and move here uh, because we have clean water. All of them have to work uh, together. So um, the, the projects that I'm working on right now, I'm, I'm finishing up a U.S. EPA project where myself and my graduate students have worked in studying the condition of 16 natural wetlands in North Carolina. We study how water moves in and out, the quality of the water there, and actually the, the types of soils and how much carbon they can actually uptake. And we also are interested in the things that live there, the flora and the fauna. So we've done vegetative surveys, and we've also done surveys of what kind of benthic macroinvertebrates, the little insects that form the bottom of the food chains in these areas, to see if they're there and who's there. And probably the most eye-opening experience of this whole research project has been looking into the amphibians that live there, particularly the salamanders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all know that, you know, we learn in elementary biology that salamanders need time on land and and, in time in water. Well, that's what wetlands are. And so they are a real hotbed for all kinds of different species of, of salamanders. And I have been walking over these things over my 10 or 12 years of working in wetlands before I started into this project, pretty much sight unseen. And we worked with a uh, herpetologist that just uncovered all of the, literally <laughs> and figuratively, all of these amphibians that had been living there and we've been walking over all the years. And so, you know, I've, I've often thought about wetlands and their importance for maintaining, you know, floodwaters and water quality, but to see the habitat importance on many of these wetlands that are not even connected to rivers and streams, maybe isolated out in different fields, and, and who lives there um, has, has been a really important part of that, that research, I think. So we're finishing up that, um, that project. We're reporting to the EPA, you know, how all of those different aspects of the wetlands. I'm in the middle of a study where we're looking at constructed wetlands for wastewater treatment. It's something that's done in many different places in the United States. Um, but in North Carolina, I thought when I started this project, there were many more constructed wetlands for wastewater mm -hmm. treatment 
than they actually are. There's only about five or six. And so going into this project, we were looking at intensely monitoring at least one of these to see how well they actually do clean the water. And by doing that, we could help, it could help us engineer other wetlands and other locations and use predictions. Okay, if you put this much water in with this much pollutant load in it, you can expect um, this much treatment. And so myself and a PhD student are working on this right now, and um, we've, we've uncovered a lot of things. Uh, we've, one, of the, one of the most, sometimes you get into these research projects and you uncover things that you weren't expecting, and one of the things that we uncovered is that these wetlands actually aren't performing as well as we thought they would because mm. they're 25 years old and they filled up with detritus material, which is um, organic matter that has formed from, from plant material, you know, the mm -hmm. wetland plant material that has just died and because there's water on it and there's not much oxygen to get in it, that gets in it, it accumulates because it's being produced in the wetland faster than it can be degraded. And what that does, it affects the ability of the water to move through the wetland and it changes the whole dynamics of what constructed wetlands are supposed to do. They're supposed to have mostly anaerobic conditions, but a little bit of aerobic conditions that allow nitrogen cycling to occur mm -hmm. and make them fantastic treatment for nitrogen. But they weren't occurring at this. So the whole project has kind of turned into how do we rehabilitate these wetlands? And so that's been a pretty interesting project that we're working on right now. And we're just getting ready to start a, another project that's going to incorporate a bit of citizen science and outreach into wetland data con collection in the state. We're going to pilot a program. This is also through the EPA, if I didn't mention that. We're going to try to educate people. We're going to uh, take them out and collect meaningful data in locations where wetlands are pretty high quality. And hopefully we learn a little bit about those wetlands. We educate people about the importance of wetlands. We give them a, a, the, the chances to get their hands on these areas. And then the data that we collect actually could be used by practitioners that try to restore wetlands to know what high quality wetland condition looks like. Mm -hmm. so, so those are the projects that I'm working on right now. And do you have a colleague that's also working on the uh, citizen science portion? I do, I do. Um, uh, Natalie Nelson is going to be working with, she's also a, a faculty member here, and she's interested in, she's always been interested in wetlands, and uh, she's going to help us with some of the data analytics that's associated with, um, with collecting when a lot of data and trying to make meaning out of it. Yeah, so I'm absolutely. looking forward to that. Yeah, that's, that's really neat because she's one of my uh, previous interviewees. Oh, good. So, yeah, we've heard from her. And Very good. We get to see how everything connects. Very good. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on to uh, our next question. So what does a day in the job at NC State look like for you? So that's a hard question to answer. No two days seem to be alike here. And that's good. That's one of the reasons that I like this job. Um, I, I laugh with my wife quite often, and we can predict it now when somebody finds out that I'm a professor at NC State. Can you tell me what the first question you, they think that they ask you? How much time do you spend teaching? 
close. What do you teach? <laughs> that is the first question, and I, I bet you I've heard that a hundred times. And I'm proud that teaching is uh, a major part of what I do, but it's not everything that we do. Faculty members have a lot of responsibilities. You know, sure we teach, and in, in in the semesters that we teach, in the weeks that we teach, you know, we're we're in the classroom. Um, and if we're not in the classroom, a lot of times we're preparing for that class. And we're also grading assignments and looking toward the next things and making sure that we keep our uh, information um, updated for the students. Uh, but, you know, we're also, you know, all of those research projects that I was just mentioning to you, uh, we're doing those on the side and we're mentoring our graduate students that are working with those and working with our teams that are that are growing those. And when you when you do this for a while and you actually start learning stuff and <laughs> people think of you as a sort of an expert, which I never really think of myself as an expert because I realize how much I don't know, um, <laughs> you start being asked to sit on state-level committees, university committees, to try to provide guidance in your area about you know, certain directions that policy may want to go. Like in the state, I sit on, I sit on a, a nutrient scientific advisory board with the Department of Environmental Quality. Um, I've recently been appointed to a coastal resiliency and sustainability task force here on campus, and they're looking, you know, hey, try to get all these different points of view about what's important with coastal resiliency. So you could be, you could be going to those kind of committee meetings and preparing for that. We advise students, uh, advising our students for the classes they're taking, giving them, giving them uh, career advice is something that we spend a lot of time on here. You know, those research projects, I love the research projects because you get to go out to the field, and so you'll have days when you're going out to the field and you're working side by side uh, with your graduate students, so you could be doing that too. We spend a lot of time writing proposals to go out to get the money that will fund the grants and building teams to have uh, a research team. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes <laughs> you get the money, sometimes they don't. Uh, we have to write up the reports that go along with this research, and we ultimately like to publish the the results in scientific journals so other people can read it and other researchers can uh, can use it in their research. And so that's that's a pretty important thing that we do. One of the things that I have not mentioned that is a that is a really important responsibility is that you know NC State's a land grant institution, and with that you know we have not only teaching and research, but outreach and extension is is the other leg of that that stool, and most of the funding for my position comes from cooperative extension, and so doing this research is one thing, but it's very important that we take that research and give it back to the practitioners and educate them about the results that we find. So those, those research papers that we write are great for researchers, but we have to distill that information down into practical fact sheets and other ways to get that information out. So we, we'll often go to workshops and do trainings about different aspects of the, the research topic that we're working on. Uh, so a lot of the research that we do tends to be more applied. You know, I, I haven't, although we do a little bit of laboratory work on my team, 
I didn't really mention much about lab work because what we what we consider my team to do is applied research. And so we're doing kind of the bigger projects out in the field and trying to take the lessons learned with that and passing it on to our practitioners as fast as we can. So I have an exciting, kind of an exciting um, exciting position here. We get to travel uh, not only in the state, but we get to go to conferences and meetings and, uh, around the nation. Sometimes you get invited to to these conferences to speak and do some professional development. So we, we have a lot of good, it's a lot of good opportunities as a professor and you don't, you don't get bored very often, I promise you that. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine not. <laughs> so what direction would you advise NC State students to take when looking for research topics? So um, I think that I would have students to look at the National Academies of Sciences and the National Academy of Engineers Grand Challenges and look at those things on a big scale about what the, those academies think the Grand Challenges are and start from there because those organizations have identified the things that we really need to be looking at to make our society and our environment better. And with that, you can pick one of those grand challenge areas and start to kind of work down to one part of that grand challenge that, that you believe that you could work on and that's interested, interesting to you. If you're looking to do undergraduate research, uh, then you know once you start getting several of those ideas, you may have several ideas. Start looking around at, at faculty to see who's doing what. And instead of just kind of sending an email and saying, hey, I'm interested in environmental something or ecological something, can I come work with you next summer? Or can I come work with you as an undergraduate researcher? Set up an appointment to go meet with that faculty and convince that faculty that you've done a little research on them and then propose something that could be a part of maybe research that he or she is already doing or something brand new that maybe the professor hasn't thought about. And at that point, that, that starts a really good dialogue uh, between the two that may you know, blossom into some sort of real uh, and meaningful uh, research experience. That'd be beneficial for both. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's very good advice, thank you. Do you have any final words of wisdom or final advice for aspiring biological and agricultural or environmental engineers? I do. I've been thinking about that a lot. And um, a, lot of, a lot of people um, wonder, you know, what biological and agricultural engineers do a lot of times. And we do a lot. We, do, we are a very diverse engineering discipline. And for any student that's considering working in this realm, working, coming in our to our department, I believe that they can be absolutely confident that they are in possibly the most important engineering discipline in the world because no matter what concentration you're working on in this department, you're really doing something that's going to benefit society in the world. And I, I can say that with absolute confidence. And once you make that decision and get here, remember that you're being provided an opportunity 
and you should take full advantage of the opportunity that you're given to, to work in, in this department. So, you know, you, you work hard, you take advantages of opportunities that either with a student club or one of these research internships that we were talking about, possibly um, participating in the, or definitely participating in career fairs where maybe you get external uh, summer internships or internships that you can do or co-ops during the semester. And, you know, in doing that, and as, you know, as you go along, maybe you'll, what we hope is that our students will actually develop a more focused uh, vision on what they really want to do. And as they do that, you know, there's a, there's a, a certain percentage of our students where graduate school makes decent sense to them. And so that would be something that I would, I would want all of our students to at least consider at some level to try to focus in more on the types of things they're really interested in and to help really uh, pave a, a, maybe a more distinct path forward in their career. Well, that's very, very good advice. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I hope you have a great day. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time when I'll be speaking with Dr. Katie Heil in the Department of Biological Sciences. Stay curious!